Yeah, there's not really a good city in Florida. I don't think people should actually live in the state. You know, I say that as somebody who lived there for quite a while. I don't think it's really habitable. It's an elaborate real estate scam that just never died. It's not it's not a great place to be. It's a hard place to be outside. Everyone says they moved there because the weather's warm. No, the weather is hot to uninhabitable most of the time. And if it weren't for pest if it weren't for pesticides and uh, various construction techniques and air conditioning, nobody would live there. And Orlando, <laughs> it's just true. It's not, you know, and like the only people, the only reason people really tout it as being a place to live, it's not actually a good place to live. It's a good place to die. Today looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Strike Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things. Atlanta United. I'm Jay Sam Jones from 30 South Soccer. Joe Patrick from 30 South Soccer. He's over there. Say hey, Joe. What's up, y'all? Hey, Joe. Uh, Joe, we have a very special guest with us today, the founder of Every Day Should Be Saturday, SB Nation editor-at-large and co-host of the Internet's only college football podcast, the Shutdown Fullcast, a man with whom I believe I have a plethora of inside jokes despite him not knowing who I am or what I sounded like up until about five minutes ago. Spencer Hall is with us on Five Strike Finals. Spencer, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, doing fine. Doing fine. Doing very, very well. Uh, Spencer, I understand uh, from my just kind of following you from afar here uh, that you've been an Atlanta resident for a while now. And this is this is what we wanted to have you on besides wish fulfillment for me. Um, you know, we, we wanted to have you on to, to get your perspective on what I believe was your very first Atlanta United game. Now, this was uh, a couple weeks ago. This was the 3-1 loss to New York Red Bulls for our listeners uh, in that kind of crazy, crazy, hectic game. Uh, but just kind of take me through, first off, I, one, why did it take you so long to get to a game, Spencer? That's, that's just bad atlanta uh, Second off, uh, why did you decide to, to eventually uh, – get a ticket and, and come in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Uh, well, I have kids. So doing anything <laughs> with children and having any kind of plan or planning anything um, either without them or especially with them is difficult. So that's that's actually why. Is that okay, okay. I have a full-time job and I have two small children. So doing anything <laughs> is nigh impossible. But it is bad at landing. I should have been there much sooner. Um, it was actually the first time I was in the Mercedes Benz. Um, which, okay. Uh, that's, I, you know, I don't know if anyone else knows this. This is some extremely old head Atlantic, but um, there were little nods to like the Omni, the old Omni, like a lot of exposed girders and a lot of mm-hmm. sort of industrial feeling, sort of open material kind of stuff that I thought was cool. Like I walked in and I was like, oh, this is like if the Omni wasn't evil and was built well. <laughs> now you don't think you don't think Mercedes Benz looks a little evil? 
Like it's kind of it looks, you know, it, looks too, a, it looks a little evil, man. But like, hold on, many people sleep on. Uh, I don't know if you ever played Sim City, but the evil arcology, like the giant city within the city you could build. Like there was one that was evil and kind of haunted and creepy, and and like mm-hmm. just black and metal and really, yeah, it was like the super gothic one. That was what the Omni looked like. I don't know why it was ever built. It looked like they just pulled it off to set a Blade Runner. This is like the bright <laughs> side. This is the bright side version of that, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I dug that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, had you been to a, a soccer game before? Or were you interested in soccer in any way? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been to soccer games before. Probably my favorite being going to uh, the Istanbul Derby between uh, Fenerbahce and um, Galatasaray in Istanbul. That was um, that was nuts. And like there, there weren't even Fenerbahce fans there. They weren't allowed to go. Like they had a because <laughs> they weren't allowed to go because there had been a brawl between Fenerbahce and Galatasaray supporters previously, like a few months prior, that had led to a complete ban of the fans interacting at all. That happened during a wheelchair basketball game. There was a brawl during <laughs> a wheelchair basketball game that had spilled over from the soccer rivalry and then had led to a general ban between any teams and any uh, fans of those two teams interacting at all. So I was very interested in soccer. I've always been very interested in international soccer. Never really been interested in MLS all that much. You know, like I think everyone had a a sort of brief awareness uh, or at least education into MLS being good when, I think when KC and when Portland started to get these like great followings, I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think that anyone, myself included, expected ATL United to be as successful and as vibrant as it has been. Um, and I don't think that's because of any pessimism. I just think it's exceeded expectations, like even positive, optimistic visions of what it could be. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. You talk to even front mean, office staff. And they're saying the same kind of thing, you know, that they never expected uh, exactly what it's become. It's been really incredible, uh, honestly. Um, was, but yeah, speaking was of there, the banning, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to ask, like, you know, when you, when you went to the game, did it, did you realize why, um, like, why it may be so successful? Was there something that kind of opened your eyes when you were in that stadium that said, like, oh, this is, I, now I really understand why people are, are liking this so much? Um, it, it did make a lot of sense to me because this is this is a this is a town that I, I think in general is desperate to watch any kind of sports and and I, and I it's a, it's a very diverse city but I think across every single demographic people will just hoover up sports they just will consume large quantities of them put into their face any way that they can. And when you get to something like ATL United, you realize that that blank slate uh, of a team was actually a gift because it's not like, it's not like, okay, let's get more people down for Georgia Tech, right? Or let's get more people down for the Falcons or the Hawks. There are all of these sort of pre-existing lines drawn um, within those sports that, you know, will make some people more likely to show up and other people less likely to show up, right? Like, um, I don't mm. think that, like, the Braves moving to the Burbs, I just don't think they're ever going to get, like, a serious Black or Latino following ever again. I just don't. Like, right. They just they seceded right. um, 
choice of words, intentional, <laughs> and they're out there <laughs> top. That's that's where they are for a reason, right? Um, you know, I, I think their growth is pretty much, you know, they're they're saying, okay, these are our people, and we'll ride them until they stop buying tickets, right? Uh, ATL United was blank, and in addition to that, it's soccer, which I think soccer, you know, over the past thirty or forty years, particularly here, I think everybody grew up playing it, right? It was always a sport where people said, well, we got to put our kids in something, you know, and and yeah. football has, you know, football's too violent and takes too much time and you know, uh, you know, baseball, no one wants to mess with the dads, right? No one wants to mess with little league culture, <laughs> right? Um, right, right, and, uh, right. Yeah, basketball, my kid's not tall. <laughs> like, like my, <laughs> my kid's not, if my kid's not tall, I'm going to have, it's going to be force of will to take the kid and go, Hey, listen, we're going to teach you how to be successful at being a short basketball player. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but soccer, soccer was open. Soccer had a lot of blank space, and I think when people showed up, they were kind of stunned to see who else showed up. That's the only crowd I've ever seen in the history of Atlanta sports that looks like the city. That's it. It, it looks like everybody. Not, and, and I don't think perfectly, right? I don't think if you laid like exact percentages over the crowd, it would look exactly like Atlanta does looks in terms of, of diversity and in terms of demography. But on the whole, it's pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we've written a lot about that on the site, too. It's, it's such an interesting phenomenon. I think a lot of that, in some ways, has to do with the transplants coming in and eventually having their own teams to kind of latch on to. And that's why you kind of see it representing a little more of, of, of the city. Uh, also, from another perspective, I've always thought it was just another excuse to uh, essentially have a, an SEC day out for, for some people that may have not experienced it, or maybe people that have just wanted to see it more uh, in just the sense that the crowd is very uh, – it, it's reminiscent of the college football crowd except for it's a lot less white, I guess, is, is the way to think about it. Um, but like some of the traditions and stuff like that? Yeah. Go ahead. A bit a bit less. I think, you know, like I still think that's something that, that United – not, and I, I don't know whether the front office knows, but, it, you know, or whether they uh, – what they're – stances here i'm sure they would agree if you say hey listen you, you still need to keep up with like community outrage right like this is in mm-hmm. town like particularly in perimeter this is a part this is a predominantly african-american city i don't think you live in this city if you're not you know if you don't embrace that and think that's like like this city's like prime identity they really need to keep working on that right um sure you know and that's something that's going to be a conscious effort right and i, I was kind of like I was wondering, like, is that something that, like, the supporters groups keep an eye on? They go, hey, listen, we're not, you know, we're not really local here unless we look local. Is that something that supporters groups sort of keep an eye on? Um, I can't say for a fact that they, they're keeping quotas or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, like, not, not I want to say it's just going to happen just organically. With a, just with right. an eye towards diversity, right? Like, just saying, like, okay, listen, <laughs> we look around, <laughs> just a bunch of white guys. Like, that, that won't work. Yeah. Yeah, I think the club has kind of, I think it's been more less on the supporter groups. I think it has kind of been club driven where, um, like, I think the Golden Spike thing is a good example of them pulling true Atlanta, you know, whether it's an artist or a musician or just any kind of celebrity. Um, And I think that through doing that, just naturally, you're going to find the kinds of icons and um, identities of Atlanta through that. And I think it's kind of, grown a little bit through that but you know talking about the african-american community i think they have been they have been pretty good at um kind of galvanizing 
that demographic, which is really exciting. And I don't think, you know, across MLS, mm-hmm. it's not really something, a, a group that's super engaged in the sport. Um, and it's pretty exciting to see that, uh, to see that happening here. Um, and it kind of just like, from my perspective, it, it makes sense that it would happen here because um, there's just such a rich, you know, African-American culture in this, in this part of the world and in Atlanta in particular. I don't just mean that. Like it's, it was very cool at the game to see pretty much every single slice of Atlanta there. I did like, and that's not, you know, and I, well, you do, there's a lot of reasons that doesn't apply for, like, I think the Hawks did a lot to make up ground there. Right. Um, you know, particularly with, with like younger in town, like communities and bringing them in. But like, I, I'd never, never seen anything like that. And that was awesome. Also the vernacular is great to me because everybody, because there's a blank plate, everyone has the same vocabulary. Like I would, I saw the bless your heart flag. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is Uh, the meanest, nastiest, like nobody knows how mean that actually is. Right. Like I was mm-hmm. laughing. I was like, there's no way that like any of the 35 New York fans here know exactly how mean that flag is. That's, <laughs> the, meanest, that's, the, meanest, that's the meanest thing to say to somebody when they come in your house. Bless your heart. It just means you're helping. I, I think I just to get back to just kind of the last thing we we're talking about there for a second. I think Joe makes a good point just about just kind of bringing the, the, the icons into it. Um, and also, uh, to go along with the African-American community, you have a, a supporters group called Footy Mob, which is just the most amazing thing ever, you know, and they love to incorporate uh, hip-hop into, into their uh, social media and everything like that. But, you know, if you're trying to reach out to the community, you get someone like like Young Jock to come to the first game and hit your, your big, dumb spike, which we made fun of initially. But thinking about it now, it's, it's kind of cool to think back and uh, see all the people they brought in that have represented Atlanta in a big way. Like last week, we had young bloods come in and hit it, which is amazing. Uh, you know, and, and you could tell people were were really into that. It's, it's really really neat to see that for sure. Yeah, T Pain. T Pain is uh, T Pain is right. He's I mean, T Pain for the New York game. You know, that didn't. I will say this, man. T Pain doesn't phone in anything, man. He he put his back into that. <laughs> well, talking about the New York game, it was. It was weird. It was a weird one, even by MLS standards. Did you, uh, were you familiar with just kind of the video review process in soccer at all before uh, you came in? Did you understand uh, exactly what the hell was going on? Because we barely did. I mean, kind of, you know, like you do this soccer, even with the review, you just go, oh, the official did something bad. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> right. like, you get a certain amount of, uh, soccer in your your you know mental database you, you just see something like certain dynamics take hold and you go oh this is that kind of game right that game should have mm-hmm. been probably 2-2 right to finish that right. probably should have been, that, that should have been like optimistically what it you know could have been and you, you know that's, that's being pretty conservative about it too you're like oh that should have been 2-2 but this is a game where everything goes wrong, right? Just like the game mm-hmm. uh, this weekend, you know, playing Philly with nine and you're like, you can't like the goal, like the goal posts are eight feet wide, you know, <laughs> you're playing it with nine and you can't <laughs> yeah. get like, that should have been like a seven, one game. And instead it finished a three, one because Atlanta misses like nine shots and you go, Oh, 
that's because that's this particular kind of soccer game. The New York game, you're looking at it and going, oh, this is one of those games where you outplay them, and they end up winning because uh, the refs make a couple of egregious mistakes because you're dealing with live subjective officiating with objective rules, and that's that that happens sometimes, right? You can't. Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot of games where you go, oh, you know, you can overcome the officiating. And soccer, the fact that goals are so hard to come by makes that a lie. Sometimes you cannot overcome officiating in a game, and you just have to deal with it because guess what? Those refs come back. They, they come back in two weeks. You can be working with the same guys, and uh, they're human. They're extremely human. I think that's one thing any soccer fan can agree with. You go, oh, yeah, they're, they're extremely human, meaning flawed. They're going to make massive mistakes. And they call it a bad game. And that's okay. That's, you know, that happens. They have bad games. It's just it's hard to do when you're a fan and you go, oh, that, 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 that costs my interests as opposed to yours. Right. I wanted to, Spencer, I wanted to ask you about um, about the some of the players. Um, I, I'm fascinated by Atlanta's embrace. You know, the, the way that the city's kind of embraced some of these players, in particular, just kind of as the city's icons and stars. Um, and in particular, Joseph Martinez. So I don't I don't know if you know a ton about him, but he uh, you know he doesn't really speak in the media much. He he doesn't um, he doesn't even speak English that much. I mean, he, he, even when he does speak in the media it's through a Spanish in Spanish through a translator, um, yet he seems to have this very polarizing um, persona. That's kind of like I, I kind of put it on a level, you know, maybe not um, on the on the same scale, but on the same kind of um, the impact that he makes amongst the fan base, as with like some other Atlanta icon, like. Um, like a Deion Sanders or like an Andrew Jones, like these players who are super, super talented, um, but they don't, their skills for whatever reason um, are kind of polarizing people. And with Joseph in particular, it's about how he's kind of lazy, walks around. Um, but then when he scores goals, it's like the the place is going absolutely insane. He kind of, um, you know, stares up to the to the soccer gods and just kind of like, you know, puffs his chest out a bit. Um, I was just wondering kind of your reaction in general, maybe not even to Joseph in particular, but just to um, these, these Latin American players that um, the, the, the city's embracing and even stretches to baseball. Now we're seeing it with Ronald Acuna and uh, all the Albies, these kinds of players. Um, it just shows me, I, it, it, I always, you know, I always think that these front offices can get a little too obsessed with, um, the marketability of a player. And I, th- I just think it's down to if players are playing well and are excite the fans, like that's what makes the difference. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you had a perspective on that. Yeah. Joseph, Joseph Martinez has good hair and that, that's important. First of all, <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't think you get, uh, I don't think you get people caring about you if you don't have, you know, good hair or fat. And he's definitely like, a 2017 soccer player and that he's extremely padded up and he has um, a, a lot, he has a quality soccer hairstyle. So I think, you know, you want, you want a new, newish soccer town to latch on to somebody. You got to have to look like a soccer player, you know, of the era. Yeah. He definitely is, yeah. you know, um, two, it's funny to watch that because I think there's a lot of people who, uh, might assume this is, you know, soccer for Naves. I think there's a lot of people out there who recognize the striker walk, right? <laughs> like, I, mm-hmm, think that, right. I think it's a lot. 
I think Zlatan actually helps that, right? Like, I don't even think that's so much a, a Latin America thing. I think that's a that's a striker thing that Zlatan Ibrahimovic explained very well. And I think a lot of people who are watching matches now with ATL United were brought up on Zlatan Ibrahimovic as a cult figure, right? And Zlatan has always been very, very adamant about, I am a striker. I do not play defense. I can serve my energy so I can score goals because that's what you want mm-hmm. me to do. And so it's funny watching people do that. I think he's a litmus test to your soccer education as an ATL United fan. Okay, you know, do you think Joseph walks sometimes? And they'll go, oh, no, 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 he's doing this. Go, okay, you're, you're over here. Like, I, I got kind of where you are on the learning curve, right? And then I think there's mm. people who don't care because he looks cool. Don't ever underestimate that. That celebration where he just stares at the crowd is is incredible on on so many levels. And we have people like, you know, doing promotional events at halftime where they'll kick like a penalty against like a Chick-fil-A cow and immediately run over and do the same celebration. And it looks awesome either way. Uh, it, <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a rock star. It's, it's awesome, awesome to see. But it is polarizing. I mean, he, he I, last week he picked up his fifth career hat trick in MLS, which ties the record for hat tricks in MLS in a career. And he did it shorter like in an incredibly short amount of time it's unreal how good he's been uh and even still we had people being like well he pouts sometimes i don't think i like him you know i mean it's bizarre anybody with a sense of theater is going to do that and he's obviously got a fantastic sense of theater and this is you know it's cool because you're watching him we're watching him in a spot where he's learning how good he can be and that's that's always that's always cool to see. I always like seeing somebody at that entry level, right? He's not. Mm. There's very little that's cynical about this, right? Like I think you know, obviously, I think anybody who's anybody who's up front knows how good they are, and will tell you, usually, right? There's very few right. grim workmen like strikers and, and and people who are working at the front of the attack. There's not, you know. There's like very few flashy defenders. That's the thing, that, you know. Like, that's what I want to see. I want yeah. to see somebody. I want to see like you know uh, a Vander. I want to see somebody in the back who's like you know extremely flashy. But like I, he's gonna be polarizing, and that's great. You know, you need that, right? I think you need people who who force people to react to you. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to be nameless at, at all. You know, I, I think like when you go back and you look at Atlanta sports too. I think people who are, are generally sort of uh, flashy or provocative, they're the people that you end up remembering. We really only have like, what, one guy in the history of Atlanta sports who's just sort of workmanlike and, you know, did their job. Maybe two, Hank Aaron and Dale Murphy. That's it. And both of them were yeah. in baseball where that's a canonical thing, right? Where we say, oh, you know, this, this person does things the right way. My least favorite description of any athlete ever is – that athlete does things the right way because it says so much more bad about you than it does good about the player. Right. That just to me says, right. I like dull. And just, you know, he does things the right way. Okay. That means you're dull. Right. You yeah. want these kind of automatons who just perform. No, I'd much rather see somebody who, uh, cause you know, the, the trick is when somebody says something like that, you know, the person's a craftsman. They just do things the right way. You're not on that field unless you do things the right way. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Do you know how crazily good all of these people are 
at every angle of their game. The one part you look at and go, well, they're trash at that. Like, okay, James Harden in the NBA, right? People say, oh, James Harden, just despicable defender. You couldn't get a point off on James Harden. Not one. Mm-hmm. Not a single point mm-hmm. off on James Harden. You put him on an NBA floor, and he might be the second-worst defender or third-worst defender on the floor. That still means he's incredible overall. Yeah, I think people so, are quick to dismiss MLS players, too, in a lot of ways. Those guys are still insane. You go to, like, a Division two school and play against their men's team, they're still insane, you know. And they're very quick to be uh, dismissive of any kind of, of genius they don't see. Uh, going into their their worldview, I guess, and it, it's bizarre in a lot of ways. Uh, but well, I mean, I think we're learning. If you could tell, it, like like the skill level, when people say, "Well, MLS doesn't have the skill same skill level," that's undeniably true. Right. It's, it's undeniably true. Does it matter? The, I, one thing I always want to ask people when they say that, you know, I cover my my primary like area of coverage is college football, which to me is much more entertaining than the NFL. I always want people to go, you know, these people are all very good, but to what end? You might actually have a better level of entertainment at a lower level of skill. That's entirely possible. I don't think now, does that vary from sport to sport? I don't find that true for college basketball versus the NBA. However, I definitely find that true for college football versus the NFL. And, and I can't exactly explain to you why that works. I often find that it varies even between leagues. MLS can be wildly entertaining. It can suck. I think that's true of any sport. But I think from Mm -hmm. league to league, it even varies. Like, you could not make me watch Italian league soccer at gunpoint. Like, I'm not watching Serie A. Yeah. (laughs) Right? But I'll watch watch EPL, and, and and I have good ideas why. Uh, EPL can be wildly entertaining, even if the same teams win every single year. All right, just like college football. And I have, I think that just varies from from league to league and from skill level to skill level. But when people complain about skill level, I would go. So what's that doing for you at Serie Like, what's that doing for you in your average Bundesliga game? Are you really watching like, you know, Dortmund, uh, Munich? You know, are you really right. like, are you yeah. watching? Mm. Like, are you are you showing up for that? Are you marking out for that on Twitter at like 8 a.m.? You're not. There are reasons. Yeah, it's not. It's not like a. It's not. There's not a direct correlation between the value proposition and the actual skill level. You know, it's like I've kind of joked yeah. with my friends for a long time, saying MLS's slogan should just be uh, like MLS, where shit happens, because like crazy stuff happens in MLS that you probably aren't going to see in some of those other leagues. Yeah, like you know, a four-one lead. Might come back from that. I mean, it really, it really, it really yeah. is safe. No, we're safe. Too early. Most dangerous lead in soccer or in or, or an MLS, an MLS soccer is the, Yeah, the eight-one lead. <laughs> most dangerous lead yeah. in soccer. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, Spencer, I, I did want to ask you. Um, I, I think you picked up on this during the game that uh, Atlanta United fans seem to have a, a disdain for a, a city in Central Florida. Um, as a University of Florida grad, I did want to get your feelings on uh, the, the city beautiful uh, over Orlando. Uh, do you think the hate is, is merited there? Yeah, there's not really a good city in Florida. I don't think people should actually live in the state. You know, I say that as somebody who lived there for quite a while. I don't think it's really habitable. It's an elaborate real estate scam that just never died. It's not 
<laughs> it's not a great place to be. It's a hard place to be outside. Everyone says they move there because the weather's warm. No, the weather is hot to uninhabitable most of the time. And <laughs> if it weren't for pest, if it weren't for pesticides and uh, various construction techniques and air conditioning, nobody would live there. And <laughs> Orlando, it's just true. It's not, you know, and like the only people, the only reason people really touted as being a place to live not actually a good place to live it's a good place to die that's why people go there <laughs> i'm not saying anything that isn't true it's it's one of america's favorite places to die not pay taxes and, and isolate yourself 